Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of my 2023 World Cup preview series. We move on to Pool D today and I kick it off by looking at Ireland's visitors to Dublin this weekend, England. Steve Bortwick may have been given little wiggle room in this World Cup cycle, but the pressure is still on for the former Saracens captain to deliver. Joining me tonight, further debutants, and in a late change to some proceedings, my original guest was called into work, so we've decided to call upon his father, who's not a bad man to bring on, I must say. So it's a pleasure to introduce commentator and host of the Rugby Inheritance podcast, Sam Roberts. Welcome on, Sam. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I, I'm just pleased that you knew I was. Uh, that's that's very good. Uh, yes, apologies about uh, young young William uh, not being able to be here, but it's um, it's always good to uh, to be a, a second choice. I, I don't mind. I'll take that. I'll take that, Catelyn. I'll take that. No worries. <laughs> I usually start by asking about the World Cup. I'm going to change things differently because I mentioned the Rugby Inheritance pod, which you uh, do yeah. with Ed Slater, and a, a lot of people, both sides of, of the Irish Sea, absolutely love it. So for those who aren't familiar, would you mind just taking us through the story of how that podcast came about and Ed and so on and the, the brilliant yeah. guests you've had on as well? Yeah, that's very good of you to give me a platform and and to to talk about it. it, it, it it's quite fortuitous in, in a sense. I, I work with Ed Slater um on the Gloucester uh, official Gloucester podcast, many many years ago, we started doing that for about did do that for about three or four seasons. Uh, I, I grow, I grew uh, quite a good friendship with him. Uh, another chap called Mark Atkinson uh, alongside him as well, and um, and then obviously what happened, and and if, if there's any listeners who aren't aware, uh, Ed Slater unfortunately you know, had the diagnosis last summer of of, of having. Uh, contracted MND, and he is obviously um, looking at that 
with some trepidation uh, and trying to come to terms with it and has done, I suppose, over the last year in a big way. Um, and I reached out to him. First and foremost, I reached out to him to obviously offer my uh, thoughts and and, and uh, best wishes. But then I got in contact with him because I wanted to know how I could sort of do my bit or use the skills in inverted commas that I have to try and help him. Uh, because the rugby community got around him in a huge way. It was absolutely incredible. You know, a huge amount of money was raised for him and his family uh, to help, uh, you know, the hashtag for Ed cause was was big on, on social media, and, and it still is. A lot of people, including uh, those at Gloucester and Leicester, uh, Tigers were behind him, and it, it was wonderful to see, really, really incredible to see. Uh, but I want to know whether or not I could do something. And and actually, I, I, I got the chance to sort of pitch to him. I spoke to him, and we had a catch-up and a chat. And I said, look, you know, do you want to talk about rugby? And he said... <laughs> I really miss talking about rugby. I speak a lot over the last few months about MND and and I've been seen to be a little bit of a spokesperson for that fight and for that cause and and trying to educate people and trying to sort of get the whole profile raised. But I miss talking about rugby. And I said, oh, I think we can do both. I think we can do a little bit of, you know, uh, raising the profile of of, of your your cause and the fight against MND. But I think mostly we can talk about rugby. And so that was that was the first bit of, of the jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and so that that kind of came together, and we we decided on on a name, and and, and came up with the idea of trying to get uh, some names from the rugby community who um, who would perhaps towards the end. We did say, do we want people currently in the game? Well, maybe not. We want people towards the end of their career, and people potentially who have retired, who are looking back and working out what their inheritance is from rugby. This game is extraordinary and you you will have an inheritance from the game. You will have something that the game has given you. And it is it is something that is the same wherever you go. Whoever you are, whether you play for the vets, whether you play for England, whether you play for um, anyone in between, rugby gives you something. And I wanted to examine that idea, examine that thought. And I wanted to to do that alongside Ed and... Luckily, we've had some incredible names uh, come on the podcast and talk about what they feel rugby has given them. And it's some fantastic listening. Um, we're slightly hamstrung a little sometimes by technical difficulties because we don't have a studio. We don't have any producers. We don't have money behind us. It is literally me on uh, Zoom with Ed, <laughs> with our guests. Sometimes it's difficult to to, to get the, the quality, but the message is fantastic. It's varied. There are some themes in it, recurring themes in it, but the message is absolutely fantastic. And it has been a hell of a ride. I don't know how long it goes on for. Ed's uh, condition means that his voice is starting to get affected, but we're also trying to raise a bit of money. I, we ask each guest to come on and, and give us a bit of a, a gift, a memento, a piece of memorabilia from from their career, and they leave it behind. We're going to do an auction as well, and I'm sure there's going to be people to be uh, to, to to want to get involved in that. We have had some big names: Chris Ashton, uh, Paul O'Connell, Jean de Villiers, to name but a few. There's lots on there, uh, and they've all been absolutely, absolutely fascinating. So a pleasure to be involved in it. An absolute journey. And uh, and something I'm very very proud of, and and it's credit to you. It's it's a brilliant podcast. I will link it down below, um, for everyone to check it out. And if they do want to donate as well, you know, the power of the rugby communities, as you said, yeah. you know, if they do, because it's a great cause. And I will we'll move on to the World Cup now. So thanks for that, Sam and J- James Pockney also joins us as well. And we'll start with yourself, James. Are you excited for the World Cup coming up? Yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm 
I'm really excited. Yeah, um, t- yeah, I think it's one of the most open World Cups, um, uh, um, pr- pr- probably in the history of the professional game at the moment. I think, yeah, because c- I think um, uh, the previous um, uh, the previous times, well, like, um, particularly, um, particularly uh, um, um, in the last World Cup, um, like you kind of had a feeling. England will get to the final, and the one before, um, uh, uh, um, and you had a feeling that New Zealand would um, be right up there. Uh, um, whereas this time it could be anyone. Like yeah, uh, 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 um, yeah. and then on um, the tough side of the jaw, uh, um, uh, uh, I'm on a quote-unquote tough side of the jaw. I think it, um, uh, um, it depends. I think. Um, And Sam, you you went along the same lines as well before before we started recording. It, it is wide open. Does that does that help fuel your excitement? Oh, it, it's it's difficult not to be excited about any rugby World Cup, but but this one is is particularly tantalising. I mean, we we spoke earlier about the fact that obviously uh, seeding or creating the draw for the World Cup three years ago has come potentially to bite uh, the the Rugby World Cup in, in the bottom a little bit because it seems to me, looking at the draw, that some of the best games could be a couple of quarterfinals and a potential semifinal on one side of the game, on one side of the draw. Uh, and, you know, to have that amount of quality stacked on one side is is going to be interesting. That said, they're always a journey. There's there's always a surprise. There's always somebody who beats somebody who shouldn't. I can't quite work out who that's going to be at the moment in time. I said to you earlier, if I did know, I'd I'd be down the bookies and I'd be pretty rich. But um, it, it, you know, you look at some of the some of the individual teams that are currently in, or, or, or the, the form that they're currently in at the moment. And it's uh, it's it's very interesting, and in particular, and we and we talked a little bit. I re- repeat myself to you, Callum. But you know, the obvious ones perhaps are teams like Fiji, where where people are already openly talking about just what sort of good form a, a team like Fiji are in. But we we know that Fiji have the potential certainly to do that. I'm looking at, at the, the the slightly lower or you know sort of lo- lower uh, tiered teams like your Uruguays, um, your Georgias potentially. The, the teams that 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 have genuine opportunity if things go right for them to give a big name a bloody nose and I think it's going to be really really interesting to see where that comes from. It's it is and it, it's it's set up to be that way, isn't it? Because you got the mm-hmm. likes of you know Tonga against Scotland, for instance, Fiji against yeah. Wales, and I'm not just picking on those two teams, but they're the types of games that that leap off the page some more against England, Argentina as well, you know, and it's like, we're here to talk about England. That's, that's the, the flavor of the week now this week. And I suppose I'll, I'll start with yourself. I, I'll, I'll throw this one to yourself, James, it's like Eddie Jones got a lot of airtime and probably too much. Some might say, but well, we kind of do need to talk about him with, within the realms of fact, he was let go last year. He was replaced by Steve Bortwick, a former apprentice of his, so very early in the day, we're still only what eight, seven, eight games into the Steve Borthwick era. What what would you say about the the switch so far? Or is this kind of we'll judge him in a couple of years' time? 
think, yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's been great for the start. Um, but I think considering the season um, in England, like with three um, top flight clubs going under, um, I think maybe he kind of decided to stick with his current crop and said like um, he wanted them to own it. Uh, um, like, uh, um, and then maybe after the World Cup, um, um, it'll be a new transition. So he'll bring like new players in after because uh, um, they won't be because I think maybe he doesn't want to scar the next generation and put them off, whereas some of this generation, this will be like some of their last games in England, so probably. Um, so, 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 yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think we'll see in a few years, um, um, see, see where Steve Waterwick goes. Yeah, definitely. So have you, have you Anthony, what to add? Now, I, I yeah. acknowledge that you're in in the game and all that, so you, you know, if if you feel like your hands are tied, just say at any point. But no, the switch in general. No, no, in my hands, know? my hands are not tied at all. You know, um, you know, I, I wrote a piece uh, today, which which is up on on Rugby Pass, which a few people have have uh, tethered themselves to, which reveals some really interesting data. I know Steve Borthwick loves data, uh, but actually, and it, you know, you talked about Eddie Jones there. Um, and actually links back into a guest we had on the Rugby Inheritance podcast, a guy called Stuart Lancaster. Now, he capped, back in 2012, he capped a whole host of players who are now currently still playing for England. Your Aaron Farrells, your George Falls, your Anthony Watsons, your Billy Vunapolas, your, your Joe Marlers, those guys. And, and just before he took over in 2012, Ben Youngs, uh, Manitou Alangi, uh, Dan Cole were all, all capped. Courtney Laws was capped back in 2009, believe it or not. Um, there's a huge tranche of players who were capped uh, in 2011, 2012, 2013, uh, 2014. If you if you add in the likes of you know Henry Slate, I know he's not playing, but there's there's a whole group of players that Joe Launchbury, those that sort of that sort of spine, massive massive amount of players. Now, when we had Stuart Lancaster on the on on the podcast, he he talked about the fact that actually you know 2015 was his ignominy, his his disaster, it's what he will always be known for. But he wasn't building that England side for 2015. He was building it for 2019 because he realised that having capped them and started them at 2012, he reckoned and had done, and again, listened to the man himself, an incredible insight. He talks about the fact that if they kept faith with them, that group of players, if they continued to play them, that by the time that they were getting to 2019, bearing in mind that the... Extra bit of information. In 2012, his first game against Scotland, he played a 15 or a side that had 220 international caps. That's how many they had in the starting lineup. 220. That's not very many. Very little. Now, and you then look at the teams that are doing exceptionally well. You have 600, 700, 800 caps in a side that's doing very well. And he'd worked out that by 2019, that side, if you stuck with him, if you kept capping those players, they would be, by 2019, their trajectory would be, believe it or not, 600, 700, 800 caps, depending on how well they've done. And lo and behold, that was their point at which they were going to hit their fulcrum. Their, their peak was 2019. And so, it, and so it came out that, that that game against, you know, in Yokohama in New Zealand was England at their very best, beating the All Blacks. Yes, OK, it didn't work out in the final against South Africa, whatever reason. But the, England were effectively, let's call it, you know, I don't want to upset any South African listeners, the best side in the world that night. They, they, they were incredible. 
And all of those players were in that point. At 2019, when Eddie, and this is a long answer, I'm terribly sorry, Eddie no, Jones came in. Uh, and of course, you know, these problems happen because of various different relationships and situations. Eddie Jones came in uh, and when he when he sort of took them all the way to 2019, he then got an extra bit. And because of Eddie Jones's personality, he wanted to prove people wrong. That was that was his moment. And that was his greatest moment as well. And he'd been cruelly denied and he kept people. And he, unlike Lancaster, when Eddie, when Eddie Jones after 2019, he was capping people, but he wasn't. He wasn't holding on to them. He wasn't trusting them. He was he kept loads of people, Eddie Jones. But he kept on returning to, to combinations, tried and trusted combinations in that England side. And let's face it, you know, he, he's he's not in the position to answer this fully. But I reckon if he got to this World Cup, he would be playing, his his first 15 would look a lot like the first 15 that played in the 2019 World Cup final. Because yeah. he was playing to right or wrong that he wanted to do. And the best way that he needed to do that was to play these people. But at 2019 should have been the beginning and the end for so many different players. Now, the reason I bring this up and the reason why the internet and the wonderful world of Twitter has helped, a chap has uh, has marked on a graph the cap levels of the players that played in that game against Wales. Now, there is a whole tranche, as we mentioned, of players that were capped in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, even 2015. Then there's a gap in the graph. Yeah. And there's a load of players that are then capped at 2019, 2020, 2021. There are very few England players that were capped around the 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018 mark. And if he, they'd held on to those players, they would all be of an ilk and a and, and an understanding of the game and an experience within the game, which, and lo and behold, they would be about 25, 26, 27, 28 years old. And a really key example of that type of player is Ben Earl. Now, Ben Earl has been brilliant since 2019. You can go back and find um, uh, Twitter uh, sort of mentions for Ben Earl in 2019, 2020, saying that he is one of the best players in English rugby by a long, long way at the moment. And that's in 2020. Saturday was his first start for England. And that is where England's problem, I think, lies We that for... Whatever reason, Eddie Jones has uh, has not allowed that tranche of players, 40, 50 cappers, who should be, 30, 40, 50 cappers, who should be, that group of players to dominate this squad, who, <laughs> bizarrely, would be in an amazing place in 2027. Does it, do you see what I mean? Do you see my, my through sure, line? My, my actions, yeah, mind, yeah, uh, yeah and, and I think that's it. And I know that's a... That's a very long-winded. I'm sorry about that answer, no, but that. But I hope. I hope that that's what I think England's problem is. No, it, it's it's a very fair point, and like we could talk about the squad. We will get into the squad a little bit more later mm-hmm. on. You talk about the Premiership. You can talk about Eddie Jones, but there, like, there's a lot of moving parts. But that's one good reason as well. If you stop bringing true players for a period, you will reach a point. You know, and it happens to clubs club sides the whole time. You know, mm. like this is what happens. But just on one point, I I really would be doing everyone who listens a disservice if I didn't say Stuart Lancaster, Heineken Cup winner, Andy Farrow, Grand Slam winner, Mike Cat, Grand Slam winner, and Graham Roundtree, URC winner. Yes, they'll be judged off their the 2015 World Cup, but maybe not in, in this part of the world, which no. 
I'm no. more than happy for him. <laughs> I, I hope so. He's an incredible, Stuart Lancaster's an incredible, incredible coach. Fascinating to see what happens at Racing 92 over the next couple of years. That's that's a whole different podcast. Go on. Yeah. If you invite yourself back on just to talk about Stuart Lancaster, I won't say no. <laughs> Mine go to a great amount of Munster fans, but like, listen, I won't say no. <laughs> um, but we'll just touch on the Six Nations quickly because kind of like Wales, which went live earlier in the week, it's very hard to read into, you know, just just by the nature of it. Um, England lost to Scotland on the opening day, beat Italy, beat Wales, got absolutely trounced by France, and then were well beaten by Ireland. So I'll I'll come back to yourself first, Sam. What do you make of the first, Borthwick's first Six Nations? Um, no, not not much to write home about. Sort of C, maybe a C plus with uh, if you can really look at it. Um, through through rose tinted glasses. Uh, no, it, and and it, it's it's it, it seems to me a man who's who's trying to get to grips with a team that he. That 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 he's not had for very long, and that he he's he's a very inexperienced you know international coach, and he's he's struggling a little bit, and he's having to learn a huge amount on the job. And I wonder whether or not he's just hoping by hook or by crook that somehow some sort of performance at this World Cup off the back of that gives him something that buys him time that buys him time that he doesn't get the sack after this world cup because they crash out of the group stages that that that's that's it it just seems as though he's 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 trying to buy himself a little bit of time and work out what he wants and work out where he wants to be and what he wants to do and what sort of thing he needs and uh, i don't i don't think we're there and i think the six nations is being replicated now in these warm up matches uh, that we're seeing the same sort of game plan the same sort of precautionary uh, processes the same way of going about your business on the park it seems to be the same thing you know and and we were very frustrated and annoyed in the six nations when england were playing like they are they they seem to have done they seem to be doing the same thing the three halves of rugby against uh wales were were really quite turgid and yeah, and, that, and that's where we are it's 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 not it's not interesting in any shape or form yeah. <laughs> and, and and interesting is 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 a key word here we you have you have to attract people you know yeah yeah you have to win you have to attract people you have to attract people to the game we need people attracted to the game and and at the moment england are not attractive yeah no that's that's all very fair and you could make the case that in the three halves of or the four halves of rugby against wales wales played the the most amount of rugby in it you know and okay maybe the two first halves had and only better than zero amount, but you know, it's still it was predominantly Wales, and that's something that needs to be looked at. James, what do you make of of the Six Nations? Can we read too much into it, or, or where would you stand? Um, I'd say, I'd say, I definitely don't think um, um, England became like um, a sort of bad team overnight. Um, I think it was like a gradual process because, like. Um, so I remember after the after the twenty twenty one game against Scotland, um, um, where they lost that, uh, um, uh, um, I sort of put that down to, uh, um, I sort of put that down to the to, to the Saracen core group, like playing in the championship and not playing top flight rugby, um, um a bit like, um, you know when like Anthony Joshua, uh, um, when like he. 
and then like he fights like months later and then expects to win after like nothing so, so I sort of put it down to that so, so I think we definitely saw some warning signs over time um, um, uh, and I think um, this, this Six Nations was mixed um, uh, um, but I think like uh, um, at the France game um, uh, um and I was sort, sort of hoping that would be like the catalyst. Um, and I think it was good um, in the last game um, how they figured out moves that Ireland had used previously because I noticed um, um, Ireland's try against uh, um, um, France uh, 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 and, when, and when Keenan scored um, that first try. Um, uh, uh, um, Ireland's Ireland t- tried to set that move up again, and then England um, stopped that. And then um, Keith Dell's try in 2021, um, um, Ireland set up trying to move again, and um, um, and again, it, and that was stopped. So, 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 so I can see them learning, but uh, um, um, yeah, I think it was yeah mixed overall. Yeah, it was it wasn't. Too great, and the weird situation that we're in now is Steve Bartek has played, and England have played two of their four warm-up games, but their squad has already been named. And some people are saying that's a good decision. Some people are saying they they don't really have a say in it. It's a, it's a commercial thing, you know. But the reality is, Steve Bartek changed the squad more than you change your clothes. Um, over the last <laughs> couple of weeks, uh, just just because we're a bit tight on time, Sam, do you want to run us through just? Your thoughts on the squad in general, and we will get we'll come back and come to your thoughts on the Owen Farrell and Van Boerfleet situations, but just the squad in general. Yeah, squad in general. I mean, it, it certainly does have the potential to to be a good team. There are enough good players in there. Um, I I know you didn't want me to talk about the Aaron Farrell situation, but it kind of links in with what happens with Aaron Farrell. The Aaron Farrell England team is has a very different vibe to it than the Courtney Laws England team. And it will be very interesting to see whether or not um, Owen Farrell is taken. Obviously, we, we're all working out how, how long the ban will be. Uh, we, we're pretty sure he will get a ban, how long that will be, if England will take him. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I think it's very much there. But, the, you know, there are world, I would say, there are very, very, I was going to say world-class players, get people atting me on Twitter, suggesting them. But, you know, there are some very, very good players like Ben Earl, like Tom Curry. You know, I really like what George Martin does. And I think he has a huge future in the sport. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I think in the forwards, there's, there's, there's definitely got some potential. And in the backs, you know, again, if what's not happened recently or what we've not seen is a license to play. And, and, and we, we haven't had that from England. And if there is a potential to change that, and or if there is, if that does happen, if a change does happen and there is a bit more license to play, there are absolutely people who can, you know, do some damage. Max Malins is a, is a wonderful footballer. Henry Arundel, we all know about Henry Arundel. He played on Saturday and I'm not sure whether he touched the ball. I can't remember whether or not he touched the ball. What's the twice, point? I believe <clears throat> twice. That's um, not really. Uh, you you know, Christian Cullen was arguably the greatest rugby player that's ever lived. 
But if he didn't get the ball, he would never have been. You know, you've got yeah. to get the ball into the hands of these players. And, you know, Joe Marchant's a lovely, he's got amazing feet. You know, uh, it, I, I think the potential is there. I don't think it's potential to win the thing, but I think there's a potential there to make a very good showing of what England could do. But that very much revolves around Aaron Farrell. Yeah, no, that's, that's, listen, I, I'm of the opinion that Owen Farrell is England's best 10 and he's arguably England's best 12. It's not a very popular opinion, mind you, given the stances on Farrell, those we've seen over the last couple of days, but he's, he's a very, very good player. And it's funny, you mentioned the Arundel and only touching the ball twice the weekend. The last game Ireland played, I'm pretty sure Keith Earls had more touches as a scrum half than Arundel had in the entire <laughs> game the last day. And that's not the young lad's fault. It's it's the game plan, you know, it and it's, I see it with, with Ulster a lot, and I talk about Ulster rugby on a podcast with them. You can have the best wingers in the world, but only a select few coaches would not get them on the wall if they're going to be at that. And it's it must be frustrating for fans. It really does. And James, I was, I was going to ask you about the backs anyway, so I might just jump into it here. Like, What's your thoughts on this backline core as a whole and the fact that the rugby England plan have not been great, but really there's, there's probably better players than what their attack suggests. Yeah, uh, 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 I think they've got the talent. It's just not used in the right way. Yeah, so, 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 so like with um, Ireland, uh, um, I noticed that uh, um, like, um, they sort of like work hard to be lazy, uh, if you know what I mean, like um, um, because they've already got the pod set up uh, um, and they go back like the other way. Whereas like England um, um, uh, and the pods like um, um, and the pod of forwards is running around the corner and um, that's like um, and they're like using more effort because um, I think um, um, a large part of England's dominance um, used to be through um, their forward pack as well and when they use that tactic of like um, bash and then um, um, but like now uh, um, I don't think um, I don't think um, I don't think their front five is is um, isn't as dominant. It's not as dominant as it used to be. Uh, um, so, so the backs don't have that platform, uh, um, and then they're like, um, and when they don't, and when they seem to like kick off to like one or two phases, uh, um, yeah. So, so, um, so, so I think there's a bit too much kicking going on at the moment. Um, yeah, um, and then the handling errors. Like, um, I don't think you're never, uh, um, you're never gonna get um, um, rewards when you're making fifteen or sixteen handling errors in a game. Um, like, um, 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 it's as they say, uh, go back to basics. Uh, um, I might do the basics well, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I I seen Sam was shaking his head when, when you mentioned that and there was a lot of people, it doesn't matter if they were emotionally invested in the first game in Cardiff. It was there was knock ons left, right, and centre. Like it was just not of the right standard. But Sam, seeing as you did a piece on the own Farrell situation, I, I might just get your thoughts on it really quickly because like they're coming into their biggest warm up game against Grand Slam champions, world number one team Ireland. They're gonna lose Jack Van Portfleet, they're starting scrum half anyways. They're going to be losing Owen Farrell, their captain, and out and out half. I think it's a 
scrum half and port pitches, out half farrows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's you talk about cohesion with Ireland, France, South Africa. This is the exact opposite. This is Teflon. You know, yeah, it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be. I there will be hundreds of thousands of England fans watching that game from behind their sofa. There's no there's no two ways about it. It it's it it, it could be very very damaging and and. The only hope that you have is that this week, with the news confirmed that you know JVP and and, and Farrell are, are are out, that that there there has to be an about turn. There has to be some sort of phoenix being being born out of these flames in some shape or form. That that somehow someone goes in. Now it, there's no time to really do much. I, I, I really enjoy the inclusion of Alex Mitchell. I think that's very good, but he, he's, my worry is he's on a hiding to nothing because to a certain extent, he's going to be thrown in, you assume against, against Ireland, unless Youngs and, and, uh, and, and care take that one. And, and Mitchell is given a bit more time and lucky for him. He's got Fiji to look forward to, uh, to beat him up. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, the, the Owen Farrell situation is an interesting one. I'm I'm fortunate enough to 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 know people who have been in and around the England squads and are currently involved in England squads. The situation with Owen Farrell is that he brings a certain something as far as mindset is concerned. There and this really really clicked with me. And re- when I watch England play, it really makes sense to me that he scares the living daylights out of most people. And that's not a great place to play rugby when you're really, really scared and you're really, really worried about what someone's going to say if you bugger up. And he looks furious at the moment. He he looks angry. He looks as though the world is on his shoulders. He looks frustrated. He looks as though he's about to burst. And lo and behold, he did. And I wrote in my piece you know, when the pressure builds, it always escapes from your weak spot. And what is Owen Farrell's weak spot? Not bending at the waist in a tackle when someone runs at him straight on. And we saw it. Yeah. And it, I think it's frustration. I think he's been frustrated with the way that England have been playing, that he hasn't been able to do what he wanted to do. He had an amazing season. He is a world-class player. Amazing season with Saracens. Incredible season. Played brilliant rugby played amazingly interesting, fantastic, attractive rugby Saracens this season. They won. And he's he's not got that England for whatever reason. It's not the same in England. He's very, very frustrated. And I wonder whether or not, not just the player, the skill set that you're losing with Aaron Farrell is big and it's massive, but it will give people other people an opportunity. George Ford is a really, really good player. He's a really, really good player, George Ford. I think I think I think we we've because Marcus Smith came along when he did, we've, we've kind of lost sight of the fact that George Ford is a really, really good player and, and could do really, really good things for England at this World Cup if he's given the chance. He really, really could. Um, uh, James makes the point about ball and, and the type of ball that a backline will get if, if you know, if England don't get parity up front. That, that, that is a worry. That is a concern. That's a genuinely very good point. But I think, I think... Uh, Owen Farrell, England losing Owen Farrell and Laws taking over the captaincy will bring a very different vibe. And I wonder, I just wonder whether or not people will will get less worried or less anxious or less scared. And actually, you won't get passes fired 
like they were on Saturday with so little touch and feel because everyone is so full of 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 tension and everyone is so so desperate to make this work you everyone knows you, artistry is not created when you are full of tension it's it's a it's it's something you do when you are loose and you are relaxed and you know playing the violin you know singing a song you don't get these you don't get artistry happening when you're tense and england looked tense and I wonder where, how much of that comes to Owen Farrell screaming and shouting and bellowing like he does and like he like like we know he is because he's so, so keen on trying to deliver what he needs to deliver. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that's yeah, why no, I, that's right. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what will happen. It'd be very interesting. Yeah. No, it's it's a very fair point. Now, personally, if the Maro Atorje jumping around celebrating everything like he won the World Cup, that would uh, piss me off more than on Farrell screaming at me, to be honest. But that's just me. And I'm a Monster fan who's lost to Saracens many times. So you can rub a bit of bias on that there. Um, but very good point all the same. Um, it's good to get that kind of insight. Because like, whether he's, you know, so, someone said George Ford is the hipster's choice. On Farrell at this stage is kind of the pantomime villain this week. Regardless, he's still a very good rugby player and England probably still need him if they're going to have any chance. But but crucially, they don't have a choice. They don't yeah. have a choice now. He's, yeah, he's created a situation where there is no choice. And, yeah. and, and maybe that, that has done England a massive favour. You know, in the football a few years ago, there was, show my age here, many years ago, uh, there was this big discussion about Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard, wasn't there? Just so many. Oh, the choice is the choice. Play them, play them together, play them together, play them together. You know, it was a similar sort of this situation with 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 Ford and Farrell and where you do where you where you put them. Do you put them both on the same picture? Well, now Farrell has created a situation, probably not through any design, but he's he's created a situation where there is now no choice. I mean, and, you know, I, I said in my piece, you know, England fans, maybe hope, hope for a long ban because that because the worst news would be it's a three match ban. Because because then 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 you've got four or four match ban. You've got Farrell, uh, oh, the whole two stages clearly. You know, he yeah, he, halfway. Th- I don't know. I, I I think I think I think I think for me for me in my opinion, James might disagree with me. You might disagree with me. In my opinion, I genuinely think one of the best things that could happen is that Owen Farrell doesn't go to the World Cup because then we'll, we'll find out a bit more. Uh, that's, uh, I should put it in here this will go up after the hearing and after the announcement so the educated guess is that he will get four to five games and if that happens then it's a Steve Borthwick decision and it's important that we do stress that because a lot of yep. people will be listening to this on Thursday or on Friday so James you want to jump in there first oh yeah uh, uh, um, uh, I thought Sam uh, 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 um, you made a great point about um, um, about um, about like p- people maybe being a bit scared uh, uh, um, um, of Owen. Uh, uh, um, I think um, four years ago um, it was similar with Ireland and like p- p- people f- fearing Johnny Sexton. It sounded like a bit, and um, uh, uh, um, uh, that kind of made me think that um, um, England are sort of where Ireland were four years ago. And now Ireland, there were England were four years ago, because like four years ago, um, Ireland didn't really have um, um, too many answers on what they were going to do because they were found out. 
and like this year uh, um, um, England I was trying to come up with the answers and um, everyone's saying that oh Ireland are one of the favourites and uh, um, yeah uh, um, I'm certainly seeing um, many of the same parallels um, just both England and Ireland for, for, um, the other way around this time pretty much yeah, yeah definitely. it's I suppose sports sometimes repeats itself in that regard or it copies or mimics itself you know it's it's one of the beauties of it but probably one thing we've never seen before is such a lopsided World Cup draw and as someone who does follow me on Twitter um, and I follow them as they quip today nobody has mentioned the lopsided draw so we'll be the first to talk about it because it's never come up <laughs> but England are in Pool D or Pool of Despair mm-hmm. or whatever adjective you want to use to begin with D alongside <laughs> Argentina who scraped to third place in the Rugby Championship Japan who have not beaten a tier one nation since they beat Scotland at the last World Cup Samoa who appear to be a bit of an unknown quantity could be on the rise however and Chile who are making their first appearance at the World Cup so starting with yourself James as a pool in general because obviously England are expected to be at the business end of it in particular how do you see the pool running out Who who's coming out of that pool for you? Um, I think uh, England and Argentina. Um, I think um, I think Samoa. Um, although they've got some new some new additions and they're they're on the rise, I don't think they have enough this time. I think it's more to do with like um, their systems. Uh, um, uh, uh, um, and I mean, uh, how much of a budget they have uh, um, because that they don't have anywhere near as much as like the tier one nations. Um, and I think with Japan, um, I don't think they're the same as they were four years ago. Um, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think there is, um, I don't think England should be too concerned. Uh, uh, um, and Chile, I think, uh, um, yeah, um, I think they'll want to lay down the market, especially against Argentina because that'll be the, the Latin America yeah. rivalry. So, so um I don't think they'll win that, but I think they'll I think they'll at least want to to, to give Argentina a good game. Uh, um so, so I think it'll come down to um I think it'll come down to um whoever wins out of England and Argentina. Um um I'd say on current form, um I'm going to give Argentina, yeah, I'm going to say that they're going to top the pool. Um, but I think it, uh, um, if I've performed better on the day, um, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll top that pool. You, you, James, you might be the first person to come on here and not tip their nation to finish top of the pool because <laughs> I had Welsh and Australians do the same thing for Pool C and the Scot. Well, to be fair, the Scots said they'll beat Ireland, South Africa and lose to Romania and Tonga. But that's <laughs> that's an entirely different kettle of fish. Um, oh, Sam, goodness. what way do you see this this intriguing but also potentially slugfest pool going? And I, I don't want to be too disrespectful, but if we're being if we're being honest, like it it doesn't look like it's going to be the greatest matchups on paper. But no. surely, surely England won't be dumped out into pool stages again. It's all about Samoa. It's all about Samoa. I mean, I don't think Japan, as James said, they don't represent the uh, they don't represent the threat that they they were four years ago, uh, which is very very fortunate for England because they're exactly the type of team 
that could have undone England in their current guise. I mean, we, 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 I can only make the decisions on what I have seen of England up to this point. Uh, and unless things change, unless some sort of book is thrown out the window and they start again and they do something drastically different, I think they're going to struggle against Argentina. They're going to really struggle against Samoa. Uh, they are going to have to play um, the second string against uh, Chile, who will be incredibly keen to uh, to show what they you know what it means to uh, to them to be on the world stage. I think England have their work cut out. Um, I, I and and if England were playing Samoa tomorrow, <laughs> it's Samoa. It's you, you have to fancy Samoa. You have to fancy Samoa because England have not, uh, unless there's some amazing game of of of, of poker type bluffing going on by Steve Borthwick, who has not shown any sort of sort of attacking hand at the moment. How 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 are we how will England score um and an, enough points to 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 put away a, a rambunctious uh, Samoan side who are getting you know drip fed you know more and more attacking quality back into their into their setup you know um mm-hmm. with with the with this relaxation on 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 playing for two two tier uh, two teams you know um it's it's. It's gonna be it's gonna be absolutely fascinating. Uh, like James, I think Argentina will win the group. Um, it all comes down to that match against Samoa. Do you know when that is? Have you got the the list in front of you? When when do England I, play Samoa? I do. If you just hold on two seven. seconds. Go on, James. Oh, well. I think it's the seventh of October. Uh, and against Samoa. So, so what? What? Seventh uh, of October, last pool game. Oh. With oh. Wales, Georgia, and Ireland, Scotland either side of us. That was a mic drop, wasn't it? When we when we, we just found out it's the last pool game, that's it, isn't it? I mean, goodness. Well, you can you can book in the couches or the sofas there because that's going to be one <laughs> one hell of a day of rugby. Well, I tell you, a couple of things I found out today. Uh, you can make as many changes as you want to your Rugby World Cup squad up until August the twenty eighth. So that's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weekends. Uh, yeah. How England. Uh, shape up uh, on August the 28th as opposed to right now you know there are a lot of players who aren't in the squad right now who will be especially that Fiji game goodness me they're going to play against Ireland and then they're going to go play against Fiji I mean I mean there could be genuinely there could be six or seven players we've had we've already had one or two there could be another six or seven players who do not play in the Rugby World Cup and four four test games in a row is a huge risk I know I know they had a weak team out against Wales the first day was heavily rotated, no players from the final of the premiership. Yeah. And they had slight rotation the last day as well. And there'll probably be a bit more rotation against Ireland. But it's still four test matches in a row. And I understand you need that for, say, to win a World Cup. But well, Steve, still... Steve Borthwick needs it. You see, this is the problem we find yeah. ourselves in. Steve Borthwick needs it, you yeah. know, because he hasn't had a lot of time with this team. He still hasn't really seen players play to the potential that he thinks that they can play to. So he needs games. But Lish. but goodness me, what a couple. I mean, if you were handpicking a couple of games for England to have, Ireland, then Fiji, because of the, the different threats that those two teams will present, is the stuff of nightmares. And then two weeks later, it's Argentina in the opening game. Well, by yeah. then, by then, who knows who'll be playing. 
<laughs> well, there's that side of things. There's also who knows where the fear factor will be as well because it's yeah. I can I can feel it dropping from over here. Um, I I take it neither ye are going to stay England to get to a semi final. So I'll kind of go to the other half of that question. Depending, on, I always vary depending on your answers. What constitutes a successful tournament now for England? And I. I understand it. <laughs> that could be tough to say before before we even get to France. But I'll start with yourself, Sam. What's a successful tournament? Well, the bizarre, the bizarre situation we find ourselves in is that England could make the semi final. I mean that that's that's what's so bizarre about it. By by some by some strange run of events in a rugby match, England could make it to the quarterfinals. They could win their quarterfinal against uh, Wales or uh, Ar- uh, Australia or Fiji. Although that seems difficult in my mind. Anyway, the 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 they could win and they could they could make the semi-finals. Couldn't they? I mean, I'm not making that up. They could make the semi-finals. Couldn't no, they? absolutely, yeah. They could make a final, really. It won't no, be a lot of fun oh, for the come neutral. On, but come on. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, I, I, you know what? For me, a good result for England in the Rugby World Cup would be to play some enjoyable, attractive rugby that has the likes of me and James turning around and saying, you know what, I would pay, I was going to say £40 to watch England. I'm not sure it's £40. I think it might be a bit more than that nowadays. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be £40 for a pint in Twickenham at this oh, stage. James and I would pay a lot of money to go and watch them. <laughs> That, that's that's what I want. And I think, and you know what? And with England where they are at the moment, I think many England fans would just want that to be the case. We want to get back to playing rugby. James might James might be win focused and but I, I reckon he might take even crashing out if 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 you if you of your group, if you play some absolutely fantastic rugby and 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 players and sorry and teams beat you because they play better rugby, but you play brilliant rugby. I don't know. I, that 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 for me is it, James. Would you disagree? Um, I think definitely. Uh, uh, um, I think definitely p- p- prioritize um, winning um, from getting out of the group. Um, but I think yeah, definitely playing an attractive brand of rugby. So, so, so like, um, uh, um, I think um, a good result would be uh, uh, um, uh, would be uh, um, at least. Um, a hard fought semi final um, against like the likes of um, uh, uh, um, against against uh, um, against someone from the ball A or pool B. Um, definitely um, a close semi final when playing an attractive brand of rugby. Um, and whether whether they come up with a win, um, it's possible. Um, uh, um, I'd say for, for some reason. Um, I think they'd have quite a good chance against France um, because I think France could potentially uh, um, and they could take that possibly for, for granted a bit um, because they beat England 53-10 in the Six Nations and it's a home World Cup whereas England would have no pressure so, so, so I think that is the thinnest of straws yeah. that you're grabbing there, James. I, I really admire. Yeah. I admire your your mindset there, but goodness me, that I yeah. I, don't, I I'm not I I I hope that's the case. 
but France, oh, different gravy. Yeah. I don't. Think, I I think I think yeah, different gravy for me. But I think the reality is, um, yeah, a, a, a hard-fought semi-final would be a good result. Yeah, and then yeah. go from there. I just think it's very ambitious. You think England can play nice brand of rugby between now and the end of October? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. It's, <laughs> and, that, and that's it. And that's it. And that, that's going to be the story. That's going to be the story. How do England find themselves? How do England re- rediscover, you know, the sort of... I mean, can you remember... Lang, uh, sure, Lancaster referenced it. Um, do you remember that Six Nations where they had to win against... 2015. Yeah, against France last day. Yeah, against France, and they had to win by twenty six points, and they were twenty nil up, and Something pepper in the like line, that, yeah. and and Ireland had you know the whole day. It was just yeah. like the greatest day of rugby, the the greatest day of rugby. When he talks about it, it was it was it for me. I was like, oh yeah, oh it was like the promised land. It was like Narnia. It was like it was like oh wouldn't that be amazing? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no, it's only eight years ago. You know. Obviously, that that year finished differently, but yeah, you know. But then at the same time, you could argue, well, how did England win their World Cup? Which, if they didn't remind you already on ITV during the coverage, they won a World Cup in all three, but they won <laughs> it with a gnarly pack of forwards. Do you know? And that's still, and they could have done that in twenty nineteen as well. They had uh-huh. some very good forwards playing very good rugby uh-huh. at the time. It doesn't feel like that's going to be the case this no. this time around. No. Steve Borthwick has gone for the game plan that worked for Leicester, but unfortunately, I think the big difference personally is the reason it worked for Leicester is he had them day in day out. He could drill it into them. You know the the cohesion thing. It's a hell of a lot mm. easier to get cohesion at club level. And you yeah. know, Mike Prendergast spoke about this with Munster that you know judge us after we've had a run of games not when we're playing every two to three weeks and maybe that's what Borthwick is suffering from you know and, and Borthwick it, doesn't have uh, Jasper Visa and Julian Montoya uh, playing for England no he doesn't who are both, who were both going to the World Cup keystones keystones of that Leicester yeah. of that Leicester team that you got playing yeah. so well yeah but then the, the other side of that that argument is well you won't have a great club side without some great foreign import signings so there's there's that side too but yeah. But finally, lads, we, we will get to predictions. I don't think we see England win the World Cup, but well, a lot of people listening will hope they don't because we're all Irish fans. We all want to see us go all the way. Um, James, I'll start with yourself. Who do you see winning the World Cup? Um, I, th- I think after the news today um, um, with, with, with Intermac um, and Barry being out, um, I don't think France um, they were to be one of my top picks um, but I think um, and after seeing South Africa's team I think um, I think they're going to be a team that's going to um, uh, uh, and they're going to dent one of the one of the contenders so I think um, New Zealand or Ireland yeah um, I hope Ireland considering I'm half Irish yeah. yeah, a lot of people yeah. will hopefully be using yeah. any last Ireland. bit of Irish descendancy to, to root yeah. them on. So we hope. Yeah, I say Ireland. Yeah. Sam, which way do you think? And a lot, I I will recognize that an awful lot of podcasts before this said France, and now Entomax out injured, and even myself, even I'm thinking about changing that pick. But are you still going to go with? Yeah, Nibla? I don't. You know, I, I I hey, incredible player, absolutely incredible yeah. player. 
Uh, but but Roman Antimac is is not the reason why France are a good side, and I, I think you know there there are good players who could potentially come in, and and with every every injury and disappointment of missing a World Cup, there is an opportunity. And we've talked about Matthew Jalibert, and he has been spoken about for a long time as a really 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 good player. And I wonder whether or not there is a story in that. Um, I would personally, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on this podcast, I would personally like Ireland to win it. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind if France won it and 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 we all enjoyed ourselves. Uh, you know, you know, it, we basked in the wonderment of French rugby. I, I would have no problem with that. Ireland should win it. Um, because of everything that they have done over the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, that that that's that's why I want them to win it because because of where they've come from and what they've done and the work done in the provinces and the work done uh, by Andy Farrell and, and Mike Cat and, and and the team uh, to 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 get Ireland to where they 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 need to be and and this is an amazing an amazing opportunity and I really hope Ireland take it. Um, so. Listening to me say that, obviously New Zealand are going to win and spoil the whole party. All right, thanks very much for having me. <laughs> that's that's what a lot of people are thinking as well. I'm going to say one thing, so obviously the other thing is going to happen. But yeah. I suppose a lot of these predictions, what I'm getting a sense of is if France do it, it would be romantic. If Ireland do it, yeah. they played the right brand of rugby. Yeah. And listen, that's if it. we're excited now, we could have oh. an incredible two months if that's what we get because there are two teams who play an unbelievable brand and you watch a lot of rugby. I watch a lot of rugby. Like France, Ireland this year, earlier on this year, won the best games of the decade. Yeah. You know, like that's and, what and, we're talking about. And and in the other part of it, and it's a very small and again pathetic part of it, but I want to mention it. One of the best things about a rugby world cup coming along is is the way that the the in the best best possible ways, and it's a warning to everyone, the internet joins people up. And and you get to speak to people like you. You get to speak to people who are across the other side of the world, yeah. and you get to speak to rugby fans. And and my message would be: I hope the Rugby World Cup, you know, creates really good, healthy discussion. Keep it polite. Keep kind to each other online. Don't don't lose your cool. Just it's opinions, but but those those rugby communities, those those rugby. Uh, moments that that bring people together and we can all enjoy it. I, that that's also what I'm looking forward to every world cup we you know you, the, the 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 ties are strengthened you know and and I'm still talking to people online who who you know I was talking to in 2019 I was talking in 2015 and and, and earlier than that you know it's it's fantastic it's a fantastic sport it's a fantastic community let's not lose our call with each other over the internet let's uh, let's hope we get some absolutely fantastic rugby and and everyone you know, continues to uh, to look after our, our incredible community. Well, absolutely. we started the show talking about the Ruby community. It's a good way to end it, actually, as well. So fair play for, for drawing it back there. So a bit more podcast hosting experience than myself. Maybe that's what that is. <laughs> You've done a brilliant job. Not at all. You've done a brilliant job. Thank you for having yeah, me on. No really problem good. at all. And, and thanks very much, lads. It, it has been a lot of fun. And for those listening at home, I'll have a preview and recap of Ireland's clash with England coming um, with with previews to follow again next week with more Pool D. We'll have Tier 2 nations, Pacific Island nations, Argentina, Japan. They're all still to come. But thanks at home to everyone for listening and to the lads for coming on. If you do like to see you here, please do subscribe. And I have to give a, a special mention, the Rugby Inheritance Pod. 
with Sam, with Ed Slater. Absolutely do recommend it and do check it out. I'll have the link for it below. I'll have the link for channel for Sam and James's Twitter pages below as well. But for now and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.